Local Matters brings you incredible stories about Indiana-owned businesses making a positive impact in Indiana and the entrepreneurs leading the way. I'm Mel McMahon, and today we'll get the story of how Dr. Rachel Holiday and Dr. Lindsay Moore-Ostby started Indie Direct Docs. We'll talk about the challenges and the successes along the way and why supporting local businesses really matters. You're listening to Local Matters, brought to you by Indiana-owned, distributed by the All Indiana Podcast Network. Find local at indianaowned.com. Dr. Rachel and Dr. Lindsay, thank you so much for joining me on Local Matters today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, we love being here. Yeah. You have such a unique model for your practice. And I want to kind of dig into what that is and how you got there. But first, for our listeners that aren't familiar with you, please you know, introduce yourselves and tell us what you specialize in. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I am Dr. Rachel Holiday, and I am board certified in internal medicine, which is just general adult medicine. It's basically uh, anything that you would do to care for an adult that doesn't involve surgery um, and pediatrics. So taking care of children. Um, and I'm Lindsay Moore um, or more OSPI, either way. I am also internal medicine and pediatrics. Um, been doing that for over 10 years now out of training. And I also specialize in lactation and breastfeeding medicine. I'm also an international board certified lactation consultant. And I also do some postpartum um, parent, like birth parent and baby care. So a little bit of that. Wonderful. Wonderful. How did you two meet? Um, so we actually didn't meet in training, but we trained, um, in Indianapolis, which has the largest combined internal medicine and pediatrics program. So we know a lot of the same people, um, and right out of, uh, residency, Lindsay is a couple years ahead of me. Um, she went and worked for a local clinic in Indianapolis. And about five years afterwards, I went and worked at the same clinic. Um, and we shared an office space. Um, so in between our uh, seven minute visits with patients, uh, that would sometimes turn into 45 minute to an hour long visits. Uh, we would, you know, just talk about life yeah. and talk about patients. We basically sat apart from each other, like on and off all day for, you know, two feet apart for about four Almost years. Four years. Yeah. So wow. we learned, we work very well together yeah. and we trust each other's medical judgment yeah. and, you know, it made for a good partnership. Yeah. Let's talk about kind of that experience that you had there. You mentioned, you know, seven minute visits, you know, there's a lot of you know, rushing, are they listening to me? Ooh, I just got a prescription and I don't even know what this is for. Talk about the experience that you had working in that clinic. Yeah, so um, one thing that's interesting that I think a lot of people don't know is that a majority of doctors in this country no longer own their own practices, but they're employed by large uh, corporations. And when uh, we were in training, we weren't even instructed at all into how to run a business. The idea of going to open up your own practice wasn't a thing that was even put into our brains. Mm -hmm. So when we were leaving residency, we just went and interviewed with all the large corporations, um, found the one that we thought would work best for our life, mm -hmm. uh, and went and worked for that one. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, things that were said to us was, this is just how medicine is. Basically, uh, you're always going to feel like, uh, you never have enough time with patients. Uh, it's going to be inefficient and patients aren't going to be able to get to you. So we already kind of went into the system expecting that, mm -hmm. but, um, we thought to ourselves, but how can we maximize this system? How can we make it better? 
Um, and unfortunately, because we did not own the practice, um, we were not allowed to make suggestions or changes uh, to staff for how to make things more efficient. Um, so it wasn't really like we were working on a team ever. Um, it was kind of like, you're the doctor and your job is to do the billing because when you do the billing, you make the money. So uh, it doesn't really matter how long you spend with patients. Mm -hmm. What matters is how many codes you're able to put into the computer system. And that translates to reimbursement. And if you wouldn't mind putting in as many codes as possible uh, and maximizing your reimbursement, that's the thing that's really going to help um, yeah. the clinic. And when the clinic is doing well, then you can see more patients. Yeah. It was this weird, like we were trained very well, I think yeah. um, to diagnose, diagnose, to treat the quote whole person, to really get to the meat of what matters. Um, and then it's not just the place that we worked, it's, it's everywhere in medicine now, um, thanks to corporations and insurance companies and all of this middleman bureaucracy stuff that happens. It's you're both told and, and rewarded for doing really good care, which takes time and connecting with patients. And it's like, yes, this is what we want. This is why we're here, the mission. Um, but at the same time, you're also being punished for not going faster. Mm -hmm. um, and, and honestly, there's just a point at which you can only do both things. You're fighting against yourself. And I, I, Rachel's the most efficient doctor was one of the most efficient in our practice. And even she couldn't keep up and not run an hour behind. Um, I'm not as efficient and that's okay with me now. It took a long time to get there. Um, but I found that I cut out and I cut out everything that quote, didn't matter. And I, I get more efficient. I got squeezed stuff into the visits, try to get through okay, yes, I was still spending three hours a night at doing paperwork every single night after clinic, never seeing my family, but, but I really tried to like efficiently cut out everything I could, but still keep the core of the visit of what mattered to me. Um, and eventually after eight years, I finally had to realize it's not, it's not, it's not fixable for me. It's not fixable. If I cut out anything else from those visits, I would cut out the entire reason for why I was there doing medicine, which was to connect to my patients. I've wanted to be a doctor since I was about 12. Um, and what I really wanted to be was my pediatrician. I wanted to be her. She was a solo doc, which I didn't know at the time why that was so important, but she was a solo doc whose whole focus was on her patients and you really felt seen and heard. Um, and that makes a huge difference. And that's why I do this. So I decided finally I couldn't get faster without cutting that out. Um, and that would be even worse. So we had to find some other way to do this. Um, and I started searching for anything I could find, anything I could find. I stumbled into this idea of direct primary care, um, and, which basically, I mean, the nutshell of direct primary care is we cut out the middlemen, we get rid of dealing with all of the insurance people, all of the 17 other people's salaries that you have to pay by bringing in more patients, you know, normally in a system, we got rid of all of that. And we just see our patients. They pay us an affordable, less than $100 a month membership fee. And it's just on auto pay, easy, no need for anything fancy there. And then I just take care of them. I text them, talk to them, see them in the office, and I don't charge them for any of that. It's well, it sounds like you were in a rat race before yes. you know, with this, this clinic like scenario, wheel, like a hamster wheel, mm -hmm. yeah. go, 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 go. And Don't especially being a doctor, you know, wanting to be a doctor since you were 12, like, I can't imagine, you know, what was that doing to you emotionally? Like knowing that you had this passion <laughs> to take care of people. The brief answer, cause we could talk about that for hours is it gutted me. It 
gutted me. Um, and it is not about like, I am not as a doctor looking for people to feel bad for me. Fine. Yes. Primary care paid less than any other specialty in medicine. Fine. That was fine. I was making good money. I was happy. I don't need to go to, you know, Barcelona every year. I was fine. Um, I finally figured out, I loved connecting to my patients still, but I, I thought I hated, hated going to work. There's something very wrong with that. I had patients for 10 years who I knew with deep relationships, um, patients I loved seeing, patients I knew I'd made a difference in their life. They had, they had connected with me. And yet I was eventually crying every day on the way to work thinking, I, I don't need people to feel sorry for me that I was having, oh, poor little doctor. But here's the problem. It gutted me. But if I'm gutted, can I take good care of you? Mm -hmm. Can I truly give you what you need if I'm a shell of a human being? I can't not in a, not, it's not good for any position, any field that's not good, but we're talking about a field where your entire health and well-being is on the line. Your life may be on the line. If I miss something, I take that very seriously. Um, we're talking about a field where you deserve and need my entire focus in that room for however long it happens, because that's, if I'm not really fully there, a, you're not getting connected with and B I might miss something because I can know all the things, but if I'm not thinking, it's often that little back of my head thing where I go, something's not right here. Mm -hmm. mm. And you just start, you have to have all of your brain working and it's not when you're that burned out or whatever word you want to use for it. Um, I, we finally realized when we started looking for alternative models and I finally started explaining it to people and it really, a light bulb went on. I was like, okay, let me explain it this way. You know, all of the things you hate about your doctor's office, most of the time, you know, the impersonal phone calls, the phone tree, talking to staff who don't know you, who keep making you repeat everything five times. The message never seems to get through properly. You can't get your own doctor on the phone, even if you're dying. I mean, I might have been able to get on the phone if it was a new cancer diagnosis, but that's about it. Waiting for an hour for your seven minute visit. Exactly. The doctor's mm -hmm. barely looking at you. They're trying to get everything in the computer and they want to listen, but they have to do this all of it. I mean, can, the list goes on all of it. If you hate it, pretty good chances are your doctor hates that too. Mm -hmm. They hate everything you hate about their office. Well, cause nobody becomes they, a doctor for all of that. No. And right? they don't have any control. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. Yeah. Doctors are majority now employed. We're not in charge, which means whatever you hate, I can't fix. Mm -hmm. Dr. Rachel, what about for you? What was the moment for you where you knew that something needed to be different? Yeah. Um, I think there is no perfect job. So, um, I, you know, was kind of settled that there was going to be frustrations with the job, but I think that when you work so hard to, um, study for so long, know the right answers to things, connect with patients, come up with a plan that, uh, works well for the patient that, that you feel good about also, because every plan that you come up with gets individualized for the patient mm -hmm. for that then to fall through, um, because something happened at the pharmacy and they can't get to you, but instead they talk to somebody in the phone room who doesn't have medical training, who doesn't quite understand who then sends a message to, uh, someone else, a medical assistant or a nurse. And that message doesn't quite make sense. Mm -hmm. And then the, the medical assistant or the nurse comes to find you while 
you're running late and you're in between patients and you give a message back and then it gets back to the patient. And then um, there's no room in your schedule for the patient to get to you. So you don't even see them for three months and you find out that they didn't even do the test or the treatment or whatever that you wanted to prescribe for them. And they didn't get better, but they got worse when you're working so hard and you're taking time away from your family to work so hard for what purpose? Um, that's when, uh, I actually, my, uh, my escape plan was that I was going to go work for Trader Joe's, oh, yeah. um, because that was like the highlight of my week was going grocery shopping. Mm-hmm. She had an application on her desk. Yeah. This is not exaggeration. Yeah. She's not kidding. I made a budget. Wow. Um, uh, and I was going to do it. Nothing um, wrong with working at Trader Joe's. No, 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 not at all. And I love Trader but, Joe's. But I love Aldi, all the, all the things. You, you didn't take that much debt and go for that many years into medicine to lose what she's right. not going to say it, but I will a fantastic doctor, fantastic doctor, less than three years out of finally being done with training and doing her passionate, like what the job she's really amazing at and passionate for. She was ready to quit and work at a grocery store. Yeah. But, but not just any grocery store. Trader, Trader Joe's. Right. It's Trader Joe's. Yeah. They're always yes. so happy exactly. when you yep. go there. And they talk to you about your health. They do. You know, you tell them what you're cooking and they say, oh, did you know that we have nutritional yeast? And I say, what is nutritional yeast? Right. But it's the whole person. I thought, I looked at her and I was like, are you kidding? She's like application paper. Oh my goodness. Now it's my retirement. And I was like, I was like, you have to sell your home. She's like, I will sell my home. My dog and I will move out of state to live with my mother. I can live for quite a while on that and still pay my medical school debts. And I was like, you'll be paying them for 20 years. And she goes, I don't care. Yeah. Whoa. And that's kind of, yeah, that's the part where we realized we had to find something different. And then we, we did, I found this direct primary care concept and I went to Rachel and was like, Rachel, this is amazing. And she looked at me practical as ever and said, (laughs) no, this, (laughs) this has to be a scam. It sounds too good to be true. I believe I'm quoting you here. Um, it sounds too good to be true. If this was real, we would know about it. How is it that this no one is talking early about 2019? Yep. So how did it. you find out about this, Dr. Lindsay? Um, deep, um, slightly accidental, deep rabbit hole of physician Facebook groups, starting with physician mother groups that like looking for words like burnout or uh, like side gigs or other, you know, anything. And I fell into sort of a rabbit hole of one group after another, people talking about ideal medical practices and how you can do things differently. And then I heard this term DPC and went, what? Um, Got myself into some medical, like direct primary care Facebook groups, and then started looking for every video I could find on YouTube and about like conferences that talk about this. Unlike a lot of medical conferences, direct primary care conferences for doctors tend most of the time to post all of their entirety of lectures online for free afterwards because Mm. they want the movement to grow. And I just watched hour after hour of video and eventually made her watch enough of them that she finally said, all right, you can do this, but I won't. I will be every step of the way being skeptical and making sure you're like not being stupid and jumping into something that's a bad idea. And I was like, all right, I'm desperate anything. And then a few months later, she was like, all right, let's sign up for an LLC. What should our name be? And I was like, whoa, all right. And then it was kind of, you know, the rest is history. I think for me, one thing that um, is really convicting is um, the fact that in 2014, there was only 140 of these practices around the country. And today there's 1400. 
Um, and I think seeing the growth of it um, and just that uh, not only is it a better way to practice for doctors, but it really is better for patients. Yeah. We uh, have had several patients find us uh, from the clinic that we used to work at um, and taking care of them in this model and taking care of them in the old model is like night and day. I mean, I've had a couple of people stumbled upon our site and found me who had had me for up to 10 years previously. And inevitably they're like, I can't believe this is how it's like, wait, you, you answered the, you texted me. I'm mm -hmm. like, I and, and they're flabbergasted. One of them. And I quote her said, Dr. Moore, you answered the phone. And I said, I told you I would. And she said, I know, but I just can't. She said, I've known you for almost nine years and I would have been dying and you wouldn't have been able to get on the phone with me. And I was like, I know, and I'm sorry. Um, but I can now, now I have a patient message me at, you know, 4.30 in the afternoon. I mean, you're not getting through to your doctor's office then, much less anybody who knows you. Um, she messaged me and I, I got my text message and said, oh, you know, okay, this symptom, you think you may have broken your ankle. Okay, let's talk on the phone real quick. Press here, here, and here. All right, you can go tonight to get an x-ray. I can arrange it. Or if you wouldn't mind meeting me in a parking lot tomorrow, Saturday morning at like 11, I'm going to be going from like one thing to another. And I will examine your foot if you're okay with that. And she was like, all right. So we got out, you know, in a parking lot, I pressed on her ankle. It takes me less than two minutes to know it's not broken. Mm -hmm. um, and she does not need an x-ray, but she got to care for me. We gave her quick instructions on how to handle it. She knew she could text me later that night or Sunday if it got worse. And I touched base with her again on Monday. She was getting better. She didn't pay for that. That's the thing. There's no charge for seeing me. And I spent less time with her on that one visit than any visit in the regular system, she waited not at all. She wasted no money. It's easy. It's amazing. Blew this my mind, blew her mind. My my mind is blown right now. If this were a vlog, you would see that I just, I have my hands up, my eyes are huge. I'm like, oh my gosh, you met her in a parking lot. But I feel like there is such a movement now of not just getting rid of the symptoms, but actually figuring out what is causing the issue. And I feel like both of you are, you know, big promoters of that. Right. And you're very proactive in your approach, not reactive. Yep. What motivates you to service like this? What, what made me, when you say that one thing, it made me think of that. I often have found myself reflecting on this past two years that I'd ever had time before is there's, you know, there's this whole buzzword, holistic care, the whole person getting to the root of the problem. There's a million ways you can do that. But in my in my mind, medically, I was trained to at least think about the whole person from the very beginning. I had lots of training on that. I haven't learned. There's, there's things, there's holes, there's gaps. Sure. That I want to fill in now there's big gaps, whole other conversation for a whole other day. But I was always very confused by the idea that like, what, but I'm not holistic because I'm a physician. I'm a medical physician. And I was like, what? It turns out for me, I was always that way. Um, but the reason, and a lot of your doctors are, they just can't be because when you're dealing with 20 patients in a day, 15 minute slot, sometimes overbooked, just so you can get your patient in with phone calls coming in that have no booking. You're just trying to handle them as you go. Um, and you don't get lunch and you're there for three hours every night after commonly till midnight. When, when can you focus on that? Cause focusing on the whole person, if you, regardless of who you're talking about, what type of care they're giving the main thread that runs through that whole care is time knowing your patient, spending time listening and tailoring things to that person. 
because that's how you get stuff done. And that's how you help that person. Um, you can't do that in less than five minutes. It's not possible. I actually think that both of us did a pretty darn, and quite a lot of doctors I know do a pretty darn remarkable job of trying to do that in the limited time that we had, but it was killing us. And if we tried to do that, that's why patients were waiting an hour to two hours in the waiting room, because I can't both be that fast and see you, Mm -hmm. not just you, but you deep into you and, and tailor that. And that's what I wanted to do. So part of it was a realization of this, wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean it can be cheaper for my patient. Like if you have a high deductible plan, um, you're going to be paying the first, how many thousands of dollars of your care that year anyways. And most years, most people don't ever meet their deductible. Mm -hmm. Right. So you are paying, which we still think we want you to have catastrophic insurance, but you're paying for your insurance to have the privilege of having your doctor beg your insurance to let whatever they want to have you do count towards your deductible. You're paying I mean, I paid $200 for an EKG and a two minute visit at my old office for me. Mm -hmm. I don't charge my patients for that. Now, you know, you overcharge things so that you can fit it in. You, you, all of the inflated made up prices, all of this game we play. If I just step away from that and I get everybody else out of my darn exam room, both real and, you know, like the, the background people that aren't actually in there, but are in there, all of that's gone. It's me, my patient, nothing but what matters it's simple. It's higher access. They get actual access to me. So telemedicine, this whole like, Oh, but do you do telemedicine? I just talk to my patients. Mm -hmm. However, I darn well, please that I think is legal medically sound for that situation. And I can have a very quick conversation with you. If I know you and you trust me and we can sort out what to do next. It's, it's easy. It's efficient. It's higher quality, better care with the same doctor. Let's me focus on what matters to you and me it's oftentimes money saving because now you're only paying less than a hundred dollars a month and that's it. You don't pay for my visits. So you're now paying less than you would if I build you from my office, traditional style, and I'm happier too. Win, win, win. <laughs> that's that what it sounds happen, like. <laughs> that it's too good to be true. Yeah. It is. She was right. It's a scam. It sounds like a scam, <laughs> but we have yet to find the uh, loophole that makes it a scam. Yeah. We, we were both shocked. The more, the deeper in we get, the more the veil of like these fake artificial price games and all of the game, the system, the more we've learned, the more it lifts. And the more we're like, how is no one know this? Mm -hmm. We, we actually are both patients of mm -hmm. uh, direct primary care practices. Yep. I joined a direct primary care practice in town. Um, when I first started researching this mm -hmm. model, because I wanted to see if it was really better as a patient. Mm -hmm. Um, I have since signed up my entire immediate family. I made my parents who are Medicare aged and um, older and getting a lot of medical issues. I made them sign up for a practice that's five minutes from their office. Rachel tried, you know, was, was convincing her family to sign up for a practice mm -hmm. out of state. Like we are, we believe it. I'm, I could not, I don't sell what we do. I, I'm not a salesy person. I just tell people about what we do and either they're like, what? And what, or they look at me and they're like, okay, okay. That's amazing. But do you take my insurance? And I'm like, I, <laughs> I don't, I take you, yeah. you can have any insurance. You can have no insurance. You can have Medicaid in Indiana. You can have Medicare Dr. holiday can see you then you can have nothing. You can have health. I don't care. I take you because that's what matters. Dr. Rachel, what motivates you to do this? What keeps you doing this? Um, to do very good, uh, preventive medicine. Is that what you're saying? to do. Again. Yeah. Um, so one thing is, uh, I was a year into our old practice 
um, and I was only 31. Uh, and I was so tired. I felt like I could just fall asleep at the computer and my back went out twice that year. And I was like, I guess this is 30. This is the end. Um, and that's what happened to me too. Wait a minute. (laughs) It is. Um, and, uh, I started meal prepping and changed my diet. Um, stopped eating such processed foods. Um, I made myself go to sleep at a reasonable hour. And then I ended up training for a 5k and my headaches went away. My energy levels went back to how they were when I was like 25, not 18, but 25. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, my back pain went away. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I just realized that human beings are not machines, um, that, uh, And actually we kind of treat our machines better than we treat ourselves sometimes because we actually turn them off at night to let them reboot. Mm -hmm. uh, And we make sure that they get routine maintenance and we just don't do the same thing for ourselves. Um, So I think the thing that I like about medicine is not keeping people alive, uh, even though I do like doing that. Um, (laughs) That's always important (laughs) when possible. Kind of a big deal. Yeah. But helping give people a life. Yeah. It's like, what are you living for? Why are you waking up each day? Uh, and are you waking up so that way you feel terrible? Or are you waking up so that way you can, you know, go hiking or um, play, with uh, play with your kids or whatever? Yeah. What is your quality of life? Right. It's just, yeah, it's, and you love connecting with people. Mm-hmm. Like she, she comes, like, both of us, that's our thing. We love it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's fun again. Yes. Mm-hmm. Entrepreneurship and business ownership has its challenges. This whole thing was very risky, but we keep a very low overhead. We focused entirely on being able to be sustainable and give it a couple of years for things to get where they need to be mm-hmm. and to not like bet the farm yeah. on the first six months. Yeah. So we, we balanced it on purpose. Yeah. Coming up the challenges and successes the indie direct docs have had along the way and what they want you to know about starting your own business. This is Local Matters. Local Matters is brought to you by IndianaOwned.com, where you'll find our members that are business owners who want you to know that they live here, work here, and play here. They're the business owners donating food to shelters, sponsoring the Little League teams, and employing hundreds of thousands of people in our state. Every business on IndianaOwned.com falls into one of two categories. They're either an original, meaning the company is Indiana-owned and operated, headquartered here, and not part of an out-of-state chain, or they are a franchise friend, meaning the franchise is Indiana owned and operated. The owner lives here in Indiana and is engaged in our community. When you see the Indiana owned badge, you know you are supporting a local business. And we like to make shopping simple for you as well at our sister company, Indiana.gifts. Every product you see on there from the coffee mug to the scarf to the candle is made by an Indiana owned company. Take your picks. Send a gift to yourself or send it to a friend and know that you are supporting local along the way. And we want to thank you for supporting local too. Use the discount code LOVELOCAL at checkout and we'll give you 10% off just to say thank you. We've been chatting with Dr. Rachel Holiday and Dr. Lindsay Moore Ospie of Indie Direct Docs, who started their business when exactly? We started it in August of 2020 after doing about 14 months of research and planning. Yep. Okay. Um, I, she left first and then I gave my notice for 90 days because doctors have to typically give at least three months notice for their works if possible. Um, and within a week or two after I gave my notice, um, COVID hit the U S and so, so like, like Lindsay said, <laughs> wow. Notice. So I gave my notice on December 1st oh. of 
2019. And my last day was February 28th of 2020. So I left right before. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It's been interesting. Okay. So what, what was going through your head? You know, March 13th is really when we first started closing everything down in 2020. I only remember that because we moved March 5th and I was at the flower and patio show packing up my booth. Um, it was a little bit of panic on my part, but at the same time, like the die is cast, I must do this. Like I, I can't stay here any longer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a ride. It's been both less stressful and more stressful because of it. But yeah. my favorite thing is when I see staff who used to work with me, um, I, I didn't realize how angry I had become because I hated my life so much, mm-hmm. even though I had a good life and the staff now they, they would see me and they'd be like, Dr. Moore, you're so happy. And I'm like, huh, I am. You don't swear much anymore. I was like, huh, I don't. Um, are you trying? No, I just don't think I'm mad anymore. And they, and one of them looked at me and she goes, well, Dr. Moore, I know that your own business could be very stressful. Um, there's a lot of stress. How are you happier? I was like, I don't know. That's a great question. <laughs> I, my entire financial future on the line. Hmm. I started a new business. We're in the middle of COVID right in the first wave of awfulness and all of the, and I have my own business with all the stresses that entails and I am way happier. Isn't that interesting? And she's like, Whoa, all you had to do was leave the system. And I was like, apparently, um, creating your own destiny really puts things in a completely different perspective. I, I think, you know, when you think about like, oh, you know, would it have been better if we opened at a time when we weren't having a global pandemic? Maybe. Would it have been better if we didn't work at that other clinic and just knew about DPC years ago? Maybe. Um, but, you know, every experience that you have teaches you something and makes you the person that you are. So that way you can, you know, be the person that you're going to become. Um, and so it's just kind of like, you know, we opened in the middle of a global pandemic. It makes for a good story. Mm-hmm. Um, And we're open over a year later. And I mean, honestly, the flexibility in a pandemic has been amazing. One of the DPC doctors we mentor under, he um, is in a different state and he was like his patient. He saw them, he swabbed them. They ended up being like the first patient in their state diagnosed with COVID. And so he had to go on like a two week, you know, quarantine Mm -hmm. and he never got sick, but he had to be quarantined. So he couldn't go to the office. Here's what happens in a normal doctor's office. 20 people a day are getting canceled. Phone calls are going everywhere. Nobody's getting care. Everybody's like, what do we do? And in a global pandemic, you weren't able to go to anywhere else to get care. No one would see you. You're terrified to wait in a waiting room. The list goes on. Here's Mm -hmm. what he did. He went virtual, which for him was no big deal because like he just takes care of his patients however he wants. He stayed at home. He had his laptop and his phone. He texted his patients. He emailed his patients. He phoned and videoed his patients just like usual. And I think he had maybe two patients in that two weeks who he thought really should be seen in person. Mm-hmm. And he talked to another DPC doctor and they just did a quick exam on his people, reported back to him and he handled it. He's like, my patients didn't hardly notice a thing. Everything went on as usual. Think about the experiences in the typical doctor's offices. Everything ground to a halt. Parents were like, they won't see my sick child. I can't get through to anyone. They're terrified to have me in the office. I'm terrified to go to the office. No one has masks. It was a nightmare. I lived mm-hmm. in both systems back then, both in a side job and in our job, total differences. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the difference. The flexibility DPC offices who were already open, they just turned on a dime. Their patients had the best care in the country because they just kept on going. Well, and the timing of opening, I'm sure was challenging, but you're, you're, 
you're getting through this. You're doing what you need to do. You're obviously very passionate about what you do too, which I think is very, very important when it comes to that relationship with your patient. You know, what would you tell others that want to start their own business? What do you want them to know? I think for me, probably first, at least as a physician, it's possible. Um, it's not that this isn't hard and a lot of work and you don't need to learn a lot, but it's, it's not impossible. Um, even if you're not trained in business, you can learn it, um, and seek out mentors and other people who have done this. And there's a lot of information out there with Facebook and other groups. I mean, you can find it. Um, and I think like do your homework. I think one of the best lessons that I think we learned from reading the originals by Adam Grant, um, Rachel's favorite book. I also love it. It was that he talked about how people who are innovators um, do take risks, but they don't take unmitigated across the board risk. They take very carefully decided risks. So we took a big risk opening this clinic, but we made sure we had lined up side jobs, savings. Um, we decided who, who did what, when, based on those needs, we really carefully planned so that we could make all of that money that we might need if we grew slowly, not make us fold. Mm -hmm. Um, and while there's of course the ups and downs of entrepreneurship, like you're really excited. And then an hour later, you're like, Oh, are we going to fail? You know, it's, it's normal. That, that yeah, it's hourly. Normal. It is hourly. It's not daily. It's, it's hourly. hourly, minutely, sometimes secondly, <laughs> all in one, right. but plan carefully you are going to have to be willing to take risks and make quick decisions and you're going to make mistakes. Um, but if you've mitigated your risk and you've planned in the right way and you're taking risk here, but like in another pocket, everything's very cautious. That's when it's okay. And I think he talked about, I can't remember who, but like it may have even been Stephen King or something, but he talked about people who would have these successful, their passion, like what they were going to do, but they would still be working way longer than you thought yeah. they did at their old job. Yeah as a safety measure. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, they're innovative and daring. You have to be brave, of course. Um, but you're not actually leaping. You have a bungee cord on like that's ah, how that for me that's is a good, like, I like that. And I, I'm never going to bungee jump. Um, but it's like, you <laughs> no, know, I've never done that either. My version of that, I guess <laughs> but it makes like, sense though. Scary. Um, I mean, but I have watched this in 2014, but I didn't quit radio until 2018. Exactly. Yeah. So yes, right. you find something that you can do to make sure that your dream can come true and, and be yeah. flexible and be willing to innovate and think outside the box as you go. You can't just start with a concept. You do want to have your concept and live through that, that plan, but you also need to be able to keep yeah. pivoting. That's key. Ladies, why does supporting local and being known as Indiana owned matter to you? Mm, I think, um, quality is mm -hmm. super important. Um, we try to support local as much as possible. Our clinic is located at 22nd and Meridian. So there are a bunch of local um, businesses and restaurants around us. And we try to support local as much as possible because we want those places to stay. We um, you know, know the people who work there. We know them by name. Um, some of those places know us by name. Yeah. We take people there when we have meetings. Our uh, gallery wall, which you can only see part of and won't be on the actual podcast. Um, we have images taken by a local you know, mm -hmm. photographers, images of local things. Um, as much as possible, we are both working to move towards that. Mm -hmm. 
better quality. Mm -hmm. It's bringing entrepreneurship and business here. And now we understand in a different way, the true value that having a thriving small local business community brings to our city. Um, the risks, the reasons that sometimes prices have to be a little more, but you get a better tailored product. And in the end, invigorate our entire community. Um, it's everything. And that's, yeah, we were excited when we heard about Indiana Originals because mm -hmm. I was like, yeah. okay, they get it. Yeah, they get it. Mm -hmm. Well, we're excited to have you and it has been a pleasure getting to know you a little bit more. And I can't wait for people to hear your story besides indianaowned.com. Where can we find out more about you and how do we support your business? Yeah. So you, you can visit our website. We're indiedirectdocs.com. Um, and if you're just interested in learning more as a patient, or if you're a small business owner and you would like for us to be a healthcare benefit, we do offer free meet and greets either over the phone, over Zoom, or you could even come to our office just to chat more for whatever questions you have. We also are on Facebook and um, Instagram and LinkedIn. So please follow us on social media. Perfect. Dr. Rachel Holiday, Dr. Lindsay Moore-Ostby, thank you so much for being our guests today. And thank you for doing your part to create healthier, stronger communities and more jobs in Indiana. Thank you. And thank you for listening to Local Matters, made possible by Indiana Owned and Indiana.Gifts. It's an honor to bring you incredible stories about Indiana-owned businesses making a positive impact in Indiana and the entrepreneurs leading the way. Learn more about why local matters at indianaowned.com. And if you're an Indiana business owner, join our community at indianaowned.com slash apply. I'm Mel McMahon. And until next time, keep supporting local. Thanks for listening to Local Matters, brought to you by Indiana Owned, distributed by the All Indiana Podcast Network. Find local now at indianaowned.com.